0: Hey everybody, welcome to this uh, installment of our generosity and stewardship podcast. I'm Chris Willard from Elevate Group and I am here as usual with my colleague, Greg Morris. Greg is the COO of Elevate Group and a a tremendous friend and a, a fantastic consultant to churches all over the country and the whole topic of generosity and stewardship and giving. And that's kind of the point of the podcast. We talk about how to elevate generosity and stewardship in your church. We think that uh, churches, church leaders, pastors uh, really have an opportunity to call people up to a higher level of engagement. That's why we call our organization Elevate Group. We think when you call people up to a higher level of engagement, the natural result of that is investment in the ministry, which allows you to do the work that God has called you to do. And so, That's the kind of work that we do at Elevate Group. We'd love to help you if if we can in any way. You can reach us at elevategroup.us, and we'd be happy to serve you. But we're very excited about our guest on today's podcast. Her name is Vane Ayoub, and she is the Director of Generosity and Stewardship, or is it Stewardship and Generosity? Stewardship and Generosity. There you go. Yeah. Maybe you have to do one first before you can do the other. <laughs> she is yeah. the Director of Stewardship and Generosity at Christ Fellowship Church in Palm Beach, a multi-site church, large church. Many of you know of this terrific church. A, thank you so much for your willingness to join us and be a part of the podcast today.
1: Absolutely. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me. You know, just for fun, let's let's tackle that sort of thing
0: that we we kind of wobbled into there at the beginning, that whole idea of generosity and stewardship or stewardship and generosity. Before we began the podcast, Greg and I were commenting that we think it's we think it's really cool and good that your title has both of those words Mm -hmm. in it. You're the director of stewardship and generosity. And, and I, it's significant, isn't it? That because those two words are not, su- they're not synonymous, though they go together, don't they? Yes.
1: Yeah. And I really believe because stewardship, it identifies the people. Who are we serving? Who are we discipling? And it kind of looks at and breaks apart. Who are those people? Who's in our church? Who are we loving on? Who are we caring for? Who um, are we discipling, really? And then generosity is, Okay, who? How are we taking them on this journey of what God has for them? And so stewardship and generosity. Generosity is more of our kingdom builders and people who are already giving. How we continue to challenge them and create uh, spaces for them to use the gift that God has given them to build His house.
0: Yeah, we've it's so good, and we've often we've often talked about how you know you could think of generosity and stewardship or stewardship and generosity kind of as two sides of the same coin mm-hmm. which is a little bit of a maybe an overly clever pun but but the point is that they go together nicely right if you're not if you're not a good steward you can't be generous because you don't have any money
1: exactly
0: <laughs> and if all you're doing is quote stewarding and never generously sharing then that's not really stewardship right that's
1: you're kind of hoarding at that right point right on
0: you're building bigger barns and holding on to stuff and
1: You know what happened to that guy?
0: <laughs> yeah, that guy didn't do well did he? Yeah, well Greg, this is one of those moments when we love having an opportunity to to, to have a podcast guest like this because Vane yeah. is one of those actual in the church on the ground leaders who is leading in this area of generosity and stewardship and giving and that's a
2: hugely important role, isn't it, Greg? It really is. That's where I mean. It really is where the rubber meets the road. And and I mean, you know, we talk about stewardship and generosity a lot. But I love uh, when the churches say, "Hey, we're gonna we're we're gonna have somebody who is overseeing that part of our church, that part of our our church's development, because it is it is a discipleship element. I mean, I think it's you know there's i've always you know heard you've probably heard it said you know there's three conversations in in, in, in discipleship you know the conversation of the mind the conversation of the heart and the conversation of the pocketbook um and sometimes yeah. we get the first two we do real well with the first two but that one the, the conversation of the pocketbook sometimes we forget about and so mm-hmm. i love when they have somebody in your role on a that's awesome
0: yeah and i and i it's been a long time since i carried a pocketbook greg but i <laughs> i think i understand the you know, that was that was that was Days of old language.
2: Yeah, that
0: sounds like old language. That's right. Uh no, you're you're exactly right. And you know, uh, Von A, it you know this because you work in a big complicated church. In some ways, if it's not someone's job, it doesn't get done. You know what I mean? Like you have a tremendous church in your church, and we want to talk about this a little bit later. Your church has a great history of really being intentional about this topic of generosity yeah. and stewardship. Yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As Greg said it's just so cool that your leaders have decided, you know what, we're going to find a sharp leader who loves this topic and we're going to let her lead it because otherwise some of the things that you need to do will just not get done. So let's let's begin there then. Tell us tell us the story. How did you become the director of stewardship and generosity at Christ Fellowship?
1: Yeah. Well, I'll take you back just a little bit. So I, um, when I was five, I went to a church, that was very uh, lively is what I'll say. It's very lively. And there was a prophet there that week. And they said to me, my sister, you're going to dance for Jesus. And then she turned and said to me, and you're going to be in ministry. And I was just like ministry. That's the last thing I want to do. Why can't I dance? I want to dance. Let somebody else do the ministry thing. And so for about two decades, I ran away from that calling. I avoided it at all costs because there was something more that I wanted to do. I had my own plans for my life. I I love fashion. And so I wanted to be a fashion editor and, or a fashion designer, but God has a sense of humor that he brought me back to Palm Beach County where the best fashion staple is flip flops. And so you can't get any less fashionable than flip flops. (laughs) And so that, that journey really kind of, when she spoke those words over me, it really kind of planned the trajectory of my life in ministry. And so for five years, I spent time as a discipleship director and a group's pastor, and really in that, that time, I, I found myself always loving people, serving people, helping them with their time allotment. How do you steward your time? How do you make a budget? Financial Peace University, I love Financial Peace University mm-hmm. and the Randy Solutions team. Uh, I found myself in our assimilation class teaching, uh, it's called The Journey, teaching on giving. They always gave me giving. I didn't understand why, and I loved it so much. I'm like, yeah, I'll do that session, not knowing that it wasn't normal. That people don't normally like to talk about money. <laughs> like, what's wrong with you guys? This is great, you know? And and then also um in the teaching on platform about giving, how we would do our offering setups in that moment. I would get to do a lot of that. And then five years in, I really felt like God was saying, it's time for you to do something else. It's time for you to do more. I need you to step into something greater. And that's when Betsy and Dave that we mentioned uh in our aunt Previously, the Lonsbury's stepped in and said, hey, and invited me into the stewardship journey, which was humbling, because when you think about stewarding God's people, stewarding his children, but also stewarding his house, there is a, there's a weight that comes with that. Mm -hmm. Because it's not just about money. It's about stewarding people's lives and teaching them what God has to say about this area of time, talents, and treasures about stewardship of all of their entire lives, how they use the gifts that he's put inside of them to to love people outside of the church, but also to build and serve in the church. And so I really kind of fell into it and kind of went kicking and screaming the entire journey.
0: (laughs) Now, there must have been something, though, and you mentioned briefly uh, Dave and Betsy Lonsberry, who who we both know and love. And of course, they served for years. And one of the places and ways in which they gave leadership at mm-hmm. Christ Fellowship was really helping to spearhead and under Pastor Tom and then Pastor Todd's leadership, mm-hmm. uh, this generosity and stewardship ministry. But they must have seen something in you, A, that said, okay, okay, she's a good leader. She's sharp. She gets our culture. All that's good. But there must have been something that they saw in you related to generosity and stewardship. And what, what's, what do you think was going on there?
1: Just how I talked about it and engaged it, honestly. We were, me and my husband were already part of the Kingdom Builders team before I stepped into the role. So we were already, you know, stretching ourselves and trying to figure out, okay, God, what do you have for us personally next? Um, as a discipleship pastor, I would bring uh, Betsy and Dave down to teach more on, hey, after I took FPU, what's my next step? How do I become more generous? And I think just because I was engaging them on the conversation and also about the millennials, engaging them on how do you, how do you reach my generation? We're different. What are you going to do differently to help us? And where Betsy mentioned that to me years later after I started in this role, that that really kind of hit her heart when I said, what are you doing for us? You know, because mm-hmm. we don't, we're not in the Bible belt. We're in the most unchurched part of the country. And so speaking to the generations, but also to the people that you're serving differently, I think me just having those conversations helped them see that it was more than just a girl serving as a discipleship pastor. It was someone who really loved people and they're helping them on their journey.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome.
1: So, I, Bunny, I think you, you
2: kind of answered a little bit of this, but I mean, it, it sounds like Generosity and stewardship's kind of always, or at least for a long time, been a priority for you. Is that the would you say that's the case?
1: Well, yeah. I started tithing when I was 13. My first job at Chick-fil-A, actually, I was 14. This with my dad, it really he instilled that in me. He would always say, put God first, things happen for you, put God last, things happen to you. And honestly, that was more of the fear of God in my heart <laughs> than it was of obedience. So I had the head knowledge of, hey, this is what I do. I remember teaching my friends about it when I was young. Hey, this is what I do before I go shopping. I have to tithe, And they just be like, why would you give the church your money? That makes no sense. But to me, it was just the natural outpouring of what I was taught. And so as I grew up and really decided to um, trust God in this area, not just a head knowledge, but really going from my head to my heart, that transition really helped yeah. for myself.
2: Awesome. So you mentioned your dad, was there somebody else in your life that modeled that for you that kind of modeled as you, as you kind of your, as your generosity journey kind of began to be shaped and matured, was there somebody else who modeled that for you? I know your dad, you mentioned that and that's a great, great one, obviously, but anyone else?
1: Pastors Todd and Julie are probably the most generous people and pastors Tom and Miss Donna, they are such generous Mm -hmm. people and they model that. I call Pastor Julie the uh, gift fairy Because anytime you're with her, she's bringing you a gift. She's loving on you. And she's so grace-filled. And I, they are just so generous. And I think modeling that, how they love on their staff, how they love on the community, love on pastors within our community is just beautiful to see that they have a heart of generosity. And so it just overflows into their team and to the people around them.
0: Yeah, that's really good. I want to pick up on something that you said a minute ago, Greg. Maybe you caught this. Did you hear Von A say that when I was a kid, I would teach my, my friends how I was doing my giving? I'm, I'm sitting here looking at the, I'm picturing this 14 year old young woman who's who's working 10 or 12 hours a week at Chick-fil-A and is making three bucks an hour whatever it was back in the day. And she's thinking, I got to tell my friends about this. Like they need to know about stewardship and generosity. That's awesome. That's not normal, Bunny. That's weird. I, I,
1: now I know that it's weird, but I'm a strange, <laughs> strange person. <laughs> Isn't it great,
0: though? Isn't it, is it great, great. That from the from the earliest days of your, you know, not only did your dad and your family instill this in you, and, you know, it's also interesting. Yeah, sometimes it begins out of this sense of awe or fear or a concern to not go wrong. But as time went on, it became a heart issue for you so much that it was overflowing, into your conversations with your friends. I think that is so cool. Hey, if you're just joining us, by the way, I'm. I'm uh, we're, we're gushing over uh, our guest today, and her name is Vonay Ayub, and she's the Director of Stewardship and Generosity at Christ Fellowship. Of course, many of us know Christ Fellowship as a, a very large uh, multi-site church in Palm Beach, Florida, Palm Beach uh, area, surrounding area, and um, I want to talk about I want to talk about the church for a minute, if I could, because you mentioned a moment ago, kind of the model that has come from the from the most senior leadership level at Christ Fellowship, and I have had an opportunity to engage over the years uh, with uh, with both Pastor Tom and Pastor Todd, mm-hmm. and I can affirm what you just observed, which is these are people that have been very intentional over the years about teaching and modeling generosity and stewardship. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, What else, to what else might you attribute Christ Fellowship's um, success in this area? Because uh, I want to be clear with people, you might hear Palm Beach, Florida and think, you know, this is sort of the lives of the rich and famous, but this is a very Big church, a very diverse church, a very economically diverse church. This is not a rich church, per se. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? So, yeah. so talk about what are some of the, the factors, do you think, that have contributed to Christ Fellowship doing this so well over the years?
1: Yeah, I mean, Pastor Todd did a whole entire journey for himself of what was his generosity story. You know, really uh, working out with God, what do I believe about this area of generosity Do you, am am I believing you here? Am I trusting you in this? And really wrestling to the ground himself and having a story. I think it's so important that if you don't personally have a story, it's hard to articulate vision for a story. It's hard to share how to have a generous culture and how to create stewardship if you don't have a story for yourself. So I think it starts there. which just saying, okay, what has God done in my life? And he did that so beautifully so he could take our church family on a journey. I think also um, what, what we really established at the beginning was that stewardship wouldn't be just a ministry over here on the side that if you think about an organization, there's a pie that there's pieces of the pies. So we have stewardship. Uh, we have students, we have uh, children's, we have young adults, we have groups, whatever it is that stewardship wouldn't be a piece of the pie, but it would be the filling in the pie. You know, it would be a part of every single thing in mm. the pie, you know, we we're, were reaching every single part. We're not just over here siloed, but we're influencing every single ministry and how they actually do Uh, ministry. I think that was the first thing. But then also creating on-ramps for people wherever they are in their journey. That's the most important thing is saying, you know what? We see you. We're watching who you are and we're creating our stewardship ministry. We're creating our resources and the things that we're providing to you based on where you're at on your journey. Mm -hmm. And so very practically, if you have never given before, the Malachi 310 Challenge is your first step. Hey, test God in this know that he is faithful to do what he says he's going to do. Not that he's a jackpot. You're not going to put money in and pull their lever. You're going to get money out, but that he is going to protect you. That he's going to rebuke the devourer for your sake, that he's going to give you peace in your home. There's things that happen when you trust God in this area of your life. And you may have financial blessing, but that's not the biggest blessing. The biggest blessing is knowing that you can trust God in this area of your life. The second practical thing is uh, first-time givers. You engage for the first time. How are we thanking you? What are we doing? Are we acknowledging that you actually gave? Mm -hmm. The next one would be um, those who want to give, but they can't give. And that's where Financial Peace University comes in. If you want to be generous, you hear what we're doing for offering set up during the Sunday service. And you say, you know what? I love what we're doing with our giving, but I can't give yet because we're in debt. We're so in over our heads. We're in a mess. I can't give. So we give you resources, Peace University. And once you take Financius University, there's Legacy Journey. Then we go to our faithful givers. And every church has a group of faithful givers. And those are people who are uh, tithing, who are giving regularly, who really make up your budget. What are you doing to thank them? How are you showing them on an ongoing basis what their giving is going to? And that's, that's one of the most important groups. If we reach anyone. We're reaching them because they're the ones who are sustaining the church, sustaining what we're doing in vision. Uh, the next one is our financial leaders and our kingdom builders is what we call them. People refer to them as legacy uh, givers. What are we doing there? How are we engaging people who have the gift of generosity? Mm. Love our kingdom builders. They're awesome. We love getting together with them and just um, helping them see that having that, the uh, gift of generosity is a gift and how they use it and how they outwork that and how they share that with others. And then the last thing is estate planning, how they can leave a legacy. All
0: right, we're gonna to wanna to go back I think and yeah. <laughs> talk about several of those because that was so good. Uh, and friends, I know if you're if you're just joining us, we're talking to Vane Ayub, and she's the Director of Stewardship and Generosity at Christ Fellowship Church in Palm Beach, Florida. That was a really cool kind of high level old flyover <laughs> of the, of the strategy that you all are doing there. And I think Greg and I might want to to jump in and, and, and probe a little bit more of some of the things that you said, but Greg, one thing that I picked up, which I think um, was really compelling that Vonay said was that they want, I don't know how you put it, but you said, we don't want generosity and stewardship to sort of be over here. It's not a piece of the pie. Is that what you said? But it's sort of the filling it's kind of in the whole thing. That's brilliant, isn't it, Greg? Because what that's is. saying is this thing can't just be a siloed strategy. It's an essential part of everything we're doing exactly related right. to generosity and stewardship.
2: Yeah, that's absolutely right, Chris. I think, I think that's so important is to see. You know, and I, you know, I say this a lot of times, I see the kind of the church's vision as a wheel and the spokes are all our ministries and the hub of that wheel is, to me, is generosity. When you pull generosity out, the wheel collapses and it's such an important piece. And I think that what you just described is kind of, hey, this is, we see this as the hub of if we're going to, if we're going to effectively spread the gospel, then we got that hub's got to be strong. And I I love that, what you guys are Mm -hmm. doing.
0: Yeah, really good. Now, when you gave us, uh, Von A, when you started giving us this kind of overview mm-hmm. of the uh, of the strategy, I'd like to maybe Greg and I can dig into some of that a little bit more in a little bit more detail. One of the brilliant things that I think I heard you say was that you, you guys are committed to trying to provide on ramps for people. It's sort of like helping people identify what's my next step in becoming the generous Steward that God has called me to be. Talk about that. Kind of why is that so important? And give us a little bit more insight into how you all do that at Christ Fellowship.
1: Yeah, so it's so important because we know that everyone on it's diff, it's a different place on their journey, and the way and how we do that is we have. I mean, we work with Generis, we have uh, Mortarstone. There's different programs that we look and use, so we know who our givers are. Good. So, if I know my first-time giver is X, Y, or Z, I'm going to reach them differently and give them next steps that are different than a faithful donor. So, in faithful donor, that's a that's internal language. We don't use that outside. We I'm working on getting the outside language to invite people to, but this is all internal language. So, our first-time giver, we would say, hey, thanks for engaging for the first time. This is the first time we we're able to thank you for giving. Your next step could be the journey, which is our assimilation class, or, hey, there's a group that is doing this study. You may want to jump into there. So, helping them understand you did this, but we also want to point you to the next place. But having systems develop that make sure if you've already done that step, we're not going to give you that step. It's it's really... tailored towards you. So Chris, you, you're already been through the journey. I'm not going to tell you to go to the journey because that would be silly. And that would not be caring for the person who I'm trying to reach because I'm not noticing what they've already done. And so everything we do, we use our reports to inform what we're doing. It informs us of who they are and what they need.
0: Yeah. Really good. Super important, right? Because not everybody is in the same place and we need to speak to different kinds of givers differently. Mm-hmm. And some some sometimes we'll we'll tend to overlook various people in the congregation, right, Greg? I mean we can't sometimes yeah. our strategy is not really as comprehensive as it could be.
2: Well, yeah, I think I think sometimes the strategies are so generic. It's kind of like, you know, teaching a math class to a, you got everybody in the room from second graders all the way up to, you know, MIT graduate students. And you're talking to everybody the same way. And so I love that you guys are saying, Hey, we, we recognize there was a different journey and, um, so, so you're, you're having to say, Hey, we, we know so there's some people that are starting this journey, but you also mentioned, we know so there's some people that are, are well into their journey. And A lot of times these are our high capacity givers. And how do you guys, do you guys, how do you develop and disciple specifically, uh, the, your higher capacity givers, those that, uh, have that gift of giving, have exercised that gift and have the capacity. To, how do you, how do you specifically, um, develop and disciple that group?
1: Yeah, so we have, it's called our Kingdom Builders team, and we will invite people from time to time. They can self-identify, or we invite them to join the group. We'll have two large events in years. So we just had one in May, which was so much fun getting everybody back together post-COVID world, or I mean, during COVID world, whatever you want to call it, um, and just really discipling them and speaking into their lives and challenging them to grab hold of vision, but also having a moment of prayer. And so, really taking those times twice a year to invest strategically in them. Uh, we'll, we'll bring in John Maxwell to do some uh, online type things. He's one of our teaching pastors, just different times of the year saying, How are we going to pour into you? Because we know that relationships, that's the most important thing. Giving follows relationships. So, if you're spending time with any giver at any level, it's going to build on, Not you're not doing it for the gift, but it's going to build on who they know God is because you're investing time into them. And so I think that's the first thing is spending one-on-one time with people. I do a lot of that all the time, Mm. Uh, whether that be by text message, phone call, coffee, dinner, lunch, making myself available. If there is a crisis, if there's just, Hey, I have a question for you, making myself available to do that and um, be with them. That has, that has been the best ROI, honestly. Then um, after that, we do some campus specific events or Kingdom Builders at that location can get to know each other, get to know their campus pastor, have more uh, smaller moments with senior leadership. And then that way, they, when we get in the bigger environments, they don't feel out of place. And so really just kind of, and we give them updates. So email updates twice a, a month where they're seeing where, they're, where their giving is going. What are they a part of? What stories are coming out of the campuses that they were directly a part of because they helped give to launch a Vero Beach or a Port St. Lucie or wherever else?
0: So good. You know, as you talk about sort of the the whole kind of breadth of the strategy that you have at Christ Fellowship for, for elevating generosity and stewardship, I'm, it's, I think it's impressive, as we were saying earlier, that you're thinking about different kinds of givers differently and you're sort of addressing them differently and you're inviting them to take their next step. And I want to make, make a comment to those of you that are listening to our conversation with uh, Von A., Aube from Christ Fellowship. We have on our website at elevategroup.us slash blog, we have what we call a guide to elevating radical generosity in your church. And it kind of, it addresses many of the things that A is talking about. It, it identifies those different challenges that you need to address if you're going to build a comprehensive strategy to elevate generosity and stewardship in your church. So we'd love to uh, give you that resource. It's free to download. Again, you can get that, and I think they'll put this in the chat. You can get that at elevategroup.us blog. It's called A Guide to Elevating Radical Generosity in Your Church. While you're there on the blog page, you may see other articles or things that are interest, of interest to you, and we would encourage you to feel free to dive in and, and take a look at as many of those things as you might find helpful. Um, I'm wondering if you if you could think about, um, is there something that you think is missing, Von A, in your current strategy at Christ Fellowship? What is, what is it that you're working on? Like, what what are you guys looking to add or sort of beef up in the coming Weeks or months, as you. Oh, know
1: absolutely! We just had this conversation, me and pastors Todd and Julie, of what can we do that we aren't doing, yeah. and really thinking through. Okay, so we have our faithful donors. What's our normal rhythm for them? What is the what is the name? And I, I mentioned this before, like the faithful donors, the internal language. But what's the external language that we use to help bring our church family into this this grouping? Because a lot of people want to go from, I'm not giving to kingdom builders, mm-hmm. but that's not realistic. If you're not already giving, there's no way to be a kingdom builder if you're not already being obedient in this one area. And so that was one of the things that we, we kind of try to beat up. The other thing was resources, smaller snapshots that people can jump into um, videos before they get to Financial Peace University, because we know getting from being in debt, not knowing what to do to jumping into FPU can be a barrier for some. Mm -hmm. And so really creating some resources. Pastor Julie is really passionate about creating some resources that are short, that are insightful, that just help people know what generosity is before they step into FPU. But one of the things, the biggest thing was last year during COVID, I said to the Ramsey Solutions team, like, hey, I need you to help me figure out a way to help our people. They're not going to jump into FPU in this moment because of the price And because of they're already in financial straits, like they're already struggling. So I need you to help us find a way to one, show it online and two, make it either free or very cheap. And so really working with Ken Schaefer, who was with that team, he's uh, doing something else in the world now, but really working very closely with him and arguing him down until he gave me what we really needed. And now other churches are using that too, is just, hey, we want to make sure that FPU is available for people at a price that works for them.
0: Yeah, we, we know Ken. We love Ken. He's one of the good guys. And, yeah. uh, and it's interesting. And FPU is great, isn't it? I mean, FPU has been a wonderfully good tool. Do you guys use, but you, I think you made a good point. It's for some people, it's kind of hard to say, okay, I think I'm going to sign up for the FPU class because it's a little bit of a, You know, you walk into the principal's office, kind of a vibe, you know. Yeah. You guys do. Are there any other resources or classes that you use on a on a more regular basis?
1: Not at the moment, but we're going to start writing some of our own. Okay, very cool. That's good. I I know
0: Greg has a question he wants going to wants to ask you about um, engaging younger givers, and Mm -hmm. so I want to we want to get into that with you. But it occurred to me you've mentioned Pastor Julie a few times. and I know that she has a heart for generosity and stewardship. Of course, before you were in your role, Betsy Lonsbury was doing, giving leadership to some of these very same issues. Mm-hmm. I wonder, do you have any any thoughts about you, uniquely, the way we need to engage women? in the area of generosity and stewardship and giving. I mean, certainly women, women can think about giving, they can think about money, they can think about everything the same way that a man does. But I wonder if sometimes churches and church leaders have a one size fits all approach to this. And perhaps there might be some nuances or some things that we can learn from a woman who's leading in this area. I'd be curious to
1: have your thoughts on that. That's a great question. I'm thinking out loud because no one's ever asked me that before. So bear with me. <laughs> I really think um, bringing them into the conversation, letting them know that they have a voice, that they have um, a call. I think Pastor Julie does that so well because she really speaks to the women of the house for sisterhood. I'm just mm-hmm. letting them know that, what their identity is, what God says about them, and that they can make a difference. I think that's the biggest thing is that she's always been very open about Anyone can make a difference. Don't, don't, uh, don't tap yourself out because mm. you aren't there yet. We're going to believe for you. She says it all the time. We're going to believe for you what you can't believe for yourself. And I think when you enter into that type of atmosphere where people are always speaking out over you, like we're going to believe for you, even if you don't believe for it for yourself right now, we're going to believe it for you. I think she's so good at that. And I think it just, again, it trickles down to everybody else that we are going to reach women. We're going to call them up. I I know there's there's one lady that I um, found during COVID that she was already generous. I said, you know what? I'm going to spend some time with her. And she has just been blossoming because I have chosen to have one-on-one time to learn her story, to hear what she's doing. She's a business leader in the community, very, um, very high capacity, but wouldn't have noticed her if I I wasn't watching and I wasn't being intentional about the relationships and building relationships. And she's just fantastic but it all comes back to, hey, how are we noticing people? And then how are we spending time with people? I think there's no difference between men and women. It's just, what's the investment? And do we have somebody who is able to invest in them? Or is our entire staff the same gender that we don't have someone who can do that? That kind of makes it hard to do.
0: Yeah, that is so smart. I think you're exactly right. Everybody getting invited to sort of engage, everyone getting invited to speak into the process, everyone's input being sort of valued. uh, And everyone being discipled, I think is kind of the key. Um, You know, and Greg, before we go into the question about younger givers, maybe this is a good time for us to loop back. We had a great question from one of our participants who's listening in. And so again, if you have any questions for Von A, we would love to be able to uh, run some of those by her, as you can tell She's good at thinking on her feet, which she just did a moment ago. But here was the question, and I'll paraphrase some of this that our uh, participant asked. Uh, It says this, that nonprofits engage kind of in best-of-class donor development. So is it appropriate or common for churches to approach donors who have capacity for large gifts and sort of develop the relationship with those donors in preparation for an ask? And and Toward that end, are there any resources that you can think of that would help guide church leaders to make the most of that without tipping over, and this is where I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but without tipping over from fund development to church, you know, like you want to do it as a church leader. You don't want to do it as a fundraiser, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you do that, Vane? How do you, how do you, what is the process of engaging or developing a relationship with somebody who may have the capacity to give. How do you think about that? How do you do it? Where might be some pitfalls that you would encourage us to avoid things to think about?
1: Well, the first thing is this. Uh, Jim Shepherd says, generosity comes from the heart of the giver or else it's just fundraising. I love that quote. Oh, because if, if it's just fundraising, the giver already knows that. They know why you're engaging them. They, they can see right through it. They already know that they're high capacity. You don't want to lead with that. And so what I do for our campus pastors is I will tell them, hey, there's a person at your campus that is high capacity. They've been giving, they gave their first major gifts, blah, 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 so on and so on. And so they are the ones who engage with that donor because it's natural. It's more of a, hey, I already know you're on my campus. I've already seen you. And I'll always say it's a discipleship opportunity. It is do not ask them for money. Do not talk about money. It is not about that giving follows relationship. So it's not engaging someone because you want something from them because you know that they are high capacity. It's engaging them because you see there's potential for a relationship. It's a natural relationship. It's not Greg is going to go have lunch with Fred, who's 22, because he knows he's a high capacity. He's in in tech fields. He knows that he can get something out of him. That's not a natural relationship. Mm -hmm. Greg would want to, grab maybe Brooks and say, Hey Brooks, can you have lunch with Ken? Or I forgot who I named a guy, whatever, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, because that's a natural relationship. And so making sure that when you're doing it, it's, it doesn't feel awkward. It's a discipleship relationship. Yeah. And then as you disciple them, it may be three to six months before it's even a conversation. If it's ever a conversation, giving will follow a relationship anyways.
0: Yeah, I love that you quoted our dear friend Jim Shepard on that because he's right that, that this is about discipleship. It isn't, it isn't about fundraising. And it's also okay to do, right? Right, Greg? Like James Absolutely. says, James says, don't show favoritism to people based on wealth. So yeah. let's not do that. But that's not the same thing as engaging people that God has blessed with wealth and inviting them to give and to give generously to the kingdom that's a different story right greg
2: it is yeah i used to joke with our our worship pastor at a or church a few years ago, he had all, he would have all these lunches and and little build relationships with all these musically talented people, right? That could you know benefit his ministry and, and work in serving his ministry. But he never, he would never invite me for lunch because I have no musical ability. I always <laughs> joke with him, why you, you don't like me? You know because I don't you know you never take me to lunch. But I get it. I mean that's so. My point is, you know, sometimes we invest in those who have certain gifts, those who have the gift of. Musical talent, those who have the gift of teaching, those that have the gift of prayer, those that have the gift of different things, working with children, working with youth. We invest in it. It's, it's no different. So it's not about favoritism. It's about saying, hey, we've recognized a, an area that you have capacity in and then not just dollar signs, but you have the capacity to actually do something spectacular, something really special in this area. So Influence because, vision. Sorry, to so say it again. Influence yeah.
1: Influence vision absolutely bringing them to the conversation
2: that's perfect that. exactly they, that. they're helping us do what we're what it is god's called us to do they can they can play a role in that so i love that um it, kind of along those same lines as as and, and i'm i'm, I'm appreciate that you felt like it would not be good for me to take that 22 year old to lunch because probably because we're, we're too close in age probably and that's probably what it was <laughs> so i get it um no, I, I'm just kidding. Um, but as as a young adult leading in a, in a very key area of the church, what I think is is, I mean, like I said earlier, I think it's the hub of everything we do is generosity. But um, what insight do you have about how do you, how do you how do you Lead your peers. How do you engage millennials and other young adults in the area of generosity and stewardship? Because that can be a different conversation than it is for other groups of people sometimes. And and there's they're they're looking at it through a different lens. They're looking at it from a different angle. And what insight do you have about engaging that group of people?
1: Yeah. Well, first, my young adult card was removed a few years ago. That we didn't give me a donut at the young adult table. I'm oh, the old. No. Lady. I'm the old lady now. And I'm like, when did that happen? Goodness, but I think the first thing really is getting transparent. Millennials and young adults, they really value transparency. And I think we mentioned outside organizations before the nonprofit world. I think uh, Charity Water does this really, really well. Scott Harrison is great at this, of painting a picture of what you're a part of and how, where your giving's going. It's we're in a place now where people, you just can't say that the Bible says to give. That is great. Yes, we, we understand that. But millennials and the generations after millennials, they want to know: Okay, what are you doing with the dollars? How am I a part of this? I don't want to just know what your church is going to do. Like, I don't want to pay your bills. You know, I want to see how I'm making a difference. I and mean, that's the starting there in realizing: Hey, their mindset is different. They they know the church is great. They know that they're called to build the church, but leading what the Bible says doesn't help them because they don't know what the Bible says. A lot of them aren't actually reading it. <laughs> And then two, invite them into the conversation. Hmm. How can they be a part of it? What's an actionable step that they can take? So you'll see them out in the community. They'll, they'll do community work until they're blue in the face because they can visibly see what their dollars are going to. So inviting them into the conversation, give them an actionable step. And then the third thing is tell stories that make a heart connection. Hmm. Telling stories of transformed lives helps everyone, no matter if they're, what generation they're a part of, because everyone wants to see what they're a part of. And I think one very practical thing we do is we change the language. You hear me keep saying, make a difference. We used to say, uh, impact your world. And I started saying, okay, impact. That doesn't really connect with me. So I gradually asked him to start phasing to make a difference because Mm -hmm. everyone wants to make a difference. The impact doesn't impact me, but make a difference. does. You know, I might
0: be a millennial because those things that you just described, they move me too. And I, I think that's part of the, it might be that that's part of the problem is that we have this thought that millennials or young adults are just some odd species that we don't know anything about. And boy, you got to figure them out. Mm-hmm. But what I hear you saying, Vane, is you're just making an effort to actually engage them. Mm-hmm. Like you're actually just, you're including them. Mm-hmm. And and at, by including them and noticing them and engaging them and, and, and making some adjustments to your language and some of the strategies, certainly. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it feels like the, the things that you described are things that move all of us. Um, and I think that maybe there's a lesson there for, for how we should engage younger givers. I wonder, too, we didn't talk about this, but do, do, are you all doing anything intentional, Van to try to teach children and, and students what the Bible says about stewardship and generosity. Tell us tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, before I jump there, I forgot one thing. So one of our okay. pastors, he was like, okay, if we're going to reach younger people. We need Venmo, we need to figure out Cash App, we need to be where they are. Right on. And, giving. and I'm like, oh, okay, go for it. <laughs> so that's yeah. that. For yeah. uh, children and students, one of the things we really wanted to do was help our students going into college understand what God says about money and helping them take FPU prior to getting to college and getting student loan debt and getting NMS, you know, and just helping them before they step out into that. So that's one thing we're working on. Kids, we're working through, I mean, we had them be a part of Heart for the House, which we gave them these little boxes as one of our giving campaigns, and they were able to collect money to give to Heart for the House. They're a part of that. We made a little tiny... Uh, house that they could play in, so they they really were connecting to the physical heart for the house, but also their boxes they were able to color that, put their money in. Uh, our team gave them ideas on how to raise money, whether that's a lemonade stand or chores, which I'm sure their parents were happy about. Uh, coloring sheets, just really creating material that connects what their parents are hearing in service to what they're hearing in their environment.
0: Yeah, that is so that is so good. I always think that one of the missing one of the missing uh, elements one of the reasons why we sometimes whine about the fact that children and students are not or excuse me that millennials are not giving at the level which we hope that they would give at mm-hmm. one of the reasons i think that's happening is because we're not teaching children and students what the bible says about generosity and stewardship mm-hmm. so you know you had a you had you had a family that instilled some of this in you as a child and that's good you had a church that was instilling some of this in you as a child but a lot of these young people are showing up in our churches and and listen if they didn't know what the bible said about generosity and stewardship and giving before they got here they're going to have to learn it from us yes and it's so much better if we're going to be sending students to churches all over america and around the world man let's send students that understand what the bible says about generosity and stewardship because it's it's going to make a it's going to make a huge difference, right?
1: But Chris, I think that's a misconception, though. They are giving. They're just not giving to the church. That's they're a good They're connected point. to the church. Their wallets are disconnected from the church because we're not sharing how they're making a difference here. So they'll yeah. go give the charity water. They give their whole birthday to charity water to, to drill wells. They'll give all sorts of things to other organizations because they're painting a picture of what they can be a part of.
0: Yeah, that's really, really good. Yeah. Uh, again, if you would like to get that that resource that we talked about that might help you to sort of begin the process of unpacking some of these important issues that Vane has described. You can get that resource at our website. It's elevategroup.us slash blog. And we would love to have you download that. And if we can help you, we'd be happy to. Um, this has just been a tremendously helpful conversation yes. on a, I feel, I feel encouraged that there are leaders like you who are going to be taking this message of generosity and stewardship and giving in the church kind of into this kind of into this century with a tremendous amount of enthusiasm and skill and experience. I mean it's it's really fun to get to talk to you about this and I, I know that your church must just be thrilled to have you on the team.
1: Well I hope so. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. I know they are. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Greg. Anything yeah. you want to add before we wrap
0: up?
2: No, thank you so much, friend. This has been this has been really good stuff and so helpful for for us. And I know for those listening, so thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for what you do and just for your heart for for the kingdom and seeing it move forward.
0: Yeah, a lot of great takeaways. A lot of great takeaways, especially as it relates to thinking about different kinds of givers in your church and helping them to take the next step. And, yeah. you know, church leader, if you're if you're listening by yourself or with your team, then I would really encourage you, a really smart way for you to make the most out of what you just heard might be for you to just facilitate a conversation with your team where you say, hey, what are we doing to help the different kinds of givers in our church take their next step in this journey of becoming the generous stewards that God has called them to be? And again, if we can help you with any of that, we'd be happy to. You can reach us at elevate.us. Bonnet, thank you again. Uh, really My nice pleasure. of you to join us. We appreciate it.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And
0: right. thanks to all of you for joining us. We'll see you in a couple of weeks when we have our next installment of the podcast on Elevating Generosity and Stewardship in the Church. Thanks for joining us.